This symbolizes the clothing of righteousness. There was that tunic that uh, he wore next to his skin and the robe of, uh, and the ephod itself. Then the chest piece had the breastplate. The sash that went around his clothes and tied them together. The turban that went on his head and the sacred diadem or that plate, that gold plate that sat right on his forehead that said holiness to the Lord. Now again, this is just Aaron that would have all of this on. And then they're to be anointed in verse seven. Thou shalt, and thou shalt, then shalt thou, I got get my tongue tangled up. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. Now this is still talking about just Aaron here. That anointing is a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, we have some scriptures in the New Testament where it talks about anointing. There's over in the book of James where it talks about anointing the sick with oil and praying over them. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Uh, we've found that in, in several places. And certainly ministers of the gospel need the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God upon their, their life and their ministry. Uh, it's, it's impossible to do the job of a minister without that anointing of the Lord. Did you say amen to that, Bob? Many times people say, well, how do you do that? It's not us. We're just tools in God's hands. And it's God who, who does it. This, this represents not only the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but the power of God in their life. And ministers who do not have the power of God, and there's, there's plenty of uh, pretend ministers, let me put it that way. Those who haven't been called by God, but yet they pretend to be. And they do what they can do. Many of them are after your money. <laughs> that kind of stuff, rather than trying to be a servant of the Lord. And I, I don't want to get into that too much. But verses 8 and 9, he talks about the permanence and security of the priesthood. Thou shalt bring his sons, Aaron's sons, and put coats upon them. They too had garments that they wore. They were different from the high priest, but yet very similar in, in many ways. Thou shalt gird them with the girdles, Aaron and his sons, and put the bonnets on them. Uh, the high priest had a, a turban. The rest of them were what the King James calls a bonnet, a headdress of some kind, but not, not that uh, one that Aaron wore put the bonnets on them and the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. Now what does perpetual mean? Forever. On and on and on. For a perpetual statute and thou shalt consecrate Aaron and his sons. Aaron's sons dressed was, uh, it was symbolic of righteousness. They wore that linen tunic, that linen robe. And we learned early in that, that that white linen, that represented righteousness. 
So as they wore that, the people would look at them and they would see the righteousness of God in their life. And it talks about an emphatic truth there. The priest's ordination was permanent forever. And that's something that you think about. Uh, I have known of a couple of cases in my 50 some odd years of ministry where churches revoke someone's ordination because their life, they turned away from God. And that's not something that is done lightly. It's not something that is done uh, with a smile on your face, but with a broken heart. Uh, one man that I, I knew of his ordination being revoked, I happened to be the pastor of the church that had ordained him. And he, he was found guilty of raping a young girl and he spent many years in prison over that and the church revoked his ordination but yet it was a sad time to do that and I, I've known of another one or two down through the years that that's happened to but God's intention is that it's, it's a lifetime thing now <clears throat> beginning in verse 10 we'll start talking about the sacrifice that they're to to bring. There's a sacrifice of a bull as a sin offering. And uh, let's see, that starts in verse 10 and goes through 12, I guess. Let's read that. Thou shalt cause a bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock. Now they do this to show the transference of their sins. This is a, a sin offering that is being made here. They, they lay their hands on the heads of that, that calf or whatever it was, transferring their sins to that animal, a, a symbol of, of doing that. And thou shalt kill the bullock before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So the slaughter is before the Lord. Notice that. And it symbolizes substitution. That, that bull becomes a substitution for their sins. Its blood is being shed to pay for their sins. Kind of sounds like what we've been preaching about about Jesus, isn't it? That he, he was our substitute. And thou shalt take the blood of the bullock and put it upon the horns of the altar with thy finger. Now there's four horns on that altar. So they took some of that blood and they put it on each of the horns of that altar with their finger. And pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. So the blood there was put out there and uh, it symbolized the sanctification or the of the priest as well as the worship center, the place where they were at. And then in verse 13, it talks about what to do with the body of that calf that had been killed. And thou shalt take all the fat that covers the inwards and the caul that is above the liver and the two kidneys 
and the fat that is upon them and burn them upon the altar. These are considered the clean parts of that animal. The fat on the inside of it, the call above the liver, I don't know what a call is, but uh, the two kidneys, these were to be burnt upon that altar. And these are parts of the animal that will burn pretty quickly. They don't have bones in them. They don't have anything else. And fat, of course, burns uh, very quickly. It symbolizes that atonement for their sin there. But notice verse 14. But the flesh of the bullock and his skin and his dung shalt thou burn with fire without the camp. It is a sin offering. The remainder of this animal, they take it outside the camp. Probably a big bonfire going out there somewhere. And they burn its body, the skin, the bones, all those kind of things. And this symbolized the sin offering, the taking away of sin, or the sacrifice of one Jesus Christ for another. Uh, we saw this again a few weeks ago when we preached about the... Uh, the high priest, when he would take two, goat, two, two goats, you know, and sacrifice one and turn the other one loose. And that one that ran loose, it, it signified the taking away of, of people's sin. Now, we come to another sacrifice here in verse 15, the sacrifice of the ram. Thou shalt also take one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. They lay their hands on it. Again, it's a transference of their sin. Thou shalt slay the ram, and thou shalt take his blood and sprinkle it round about upon the altar. So they slaughter it. They sprinkle the blood on all the sides of the altar. Verse 17, And thou shalt cut the ram in pieces, and wash the inwards of him and his legs, and put them into his pieces and unto his head. So the ram is cut up in pieces. They wash it uh, with, along with the inner parts and the legs. In verse 18, And thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And the commentator says to burn all the parts on the altar is in, so the pleasing aroma would ascend up toward heaven. This symbolized that God accepted the person's sacrifice and dedication. And it's something to know that God keeps his word. 1 John 1, 9 again, if we confess our sins. See that if there? Just in case we confess our sins. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we think about all of these things that they had to go through to, to set themselves apart from their sin that was in their lives. And how difficult it was to do this. What it cost them to, to do this kind of thing. And it had to be done over and over and over and over. It never ended. 
But Jesus died for our sins once for all. Hallelujah. Once for all. He doesn't have to go back and do it over and over and over again. Anyone with a question or comment, I get involved in talking and uh, my wife says I'm more of a preacher than a teacher, but I forget to let people comment sometimes. There's a second ram here in verse 19. Thou shalt take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. Then shalt thou kill the ram, and take of his blood, and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, and upon the thumb of their right hand, and upon the great toe of their right foot, and sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. Now, I read that today and I said, what in the world? But when I got into it and began to study it, that blood, that took that same blood out of that ram, put it on the tip of his right ear. Hmm. What's the ear do? consecrating his ear to hear from God. Wow. And then upon the right ear of his sons and upon the thumb of their right hand. What's the hand do? Does all kinds of work, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of things about the hand. That's right. You ever try to grip something without getting it with your thumb? You probably drop it. But bless whatever he does, you see. Whatever his hand goes to to work, it's asking God's blessing on him. And then on his big toe of the right foot. Somebody's going to say, well, your foot's for kicking. No, <laughs> it's for walking <laughs> wherever he goes, whatever he does. May he... That's right, that's right. You lose your big toe, it's hard to balance. But think about what this is symbolizing. Wherever those priests go, whatever they do, if they'll listen to God, they'll do it right. And it'll be a blessing and an honor. But it's not only to put it on them, he's to put the blood on all the sides of the altar. And then to mix some of the blood and anointing oil and sprinkle it on the priests in their clothes. And I don't think I read that for. Thou shalt take of the blood that is upon the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments, and upon his sons, and upon the, the garments of his sons with him. And he shall be hallowed, or holy, and his garments, and his sons, and his sons' garments with him. To be fully consecrated to the service of God. Right down to their clothing. 
Now remember those, the high priest, he wore a different colored robe. But these other priests, his sons, just that white one. But now it's going to be splattered with blood. But the people understood that that blood was on that for a reason. It wasn't to take away from the beauty of the, the white linen. But they're righteous, not because of their righteous lives, but because of the blood that has been shed for them. The Lord applies His blood to our lives when we come to know Him. Verse 22, Thou shalt take of the ram, the fat and the rump, and the fat that covereth the inwards, and the caul above the liver, and the two kidneys upon the fat, and the fat that is upon them, and the right shoulder, for it is a ram of consecration. Okay, this is there's some wave offerings coming in here, uh, symbolizing the commitment to give God the best. The first wave offering was to cut away the fat and the choice parts from the ram of ordination. Then in verse 23, and one loaf of bread and one cake of oil bread and one wafer out of the basket and all the unleavened bread that is before the Lord. So they would take one loaf of unleavened bread, one cake and one wafer from that basket. And they're to put all these things in the hands of the priest in verse 24. And thou shalt put all in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his son and shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. A wave offering. You reckon God would like to hear a, get a wave offering from us? You think it might be done like this? Bible talks about lifting holy hands to the Lord, doesn't it? God loves our praise. And it's okay to praise God. Somebody gets upset over you praising God, just pray for them. That's all I can say. That they might get filled up with God's Spirit and worship Him too. But there, there's so much beauty in, in this here. It, it seems so gory on the surface. But when you understand what God is saying through this and why God is having them to do that. Verse 25, it says, And thou shalt receive them of their hands and burn them upon the altar for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. To burn the items on the altar, it caused a pleasing aroma to the Lord. That's, that's the important thing. It's being done for the Lord. It symbolizes the pleasure and acceptance of the Lord. Well, you can't just worship God any old way. God directs our worship. If it's real worship, God directs it. I think we get in God's way sometimes and we... we quench the spirit and don't allow God to work in our lives and through us like he, he wants to. 
And then we get all downhearted and say, well, why didn't the Lord show up today? Well, he did. <laughs> but did we obey him? Did we serve him the way we should? There's a second way of offering here in verse 26. And thou shalt take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be thy part to wave this breast and this shoulder of that ram and lift it and wave it before the Lord. And God says it'll be your part. Thou shalt sanctify the breast of the wave offering and the shoulder of the heave offering, which is waved and which is heaved up of the ram and of the consecration, even of that which is for Aaron and for that which is for his sons. So it, it was to be sanctified, to be set apart as holy. The parts of that ram belong to the priest. And they would always give these parts to the priest when making fellowship offerings and thanksgiving and peace offerings. You find that in 28 there. And it shall be Aaron and his sons by a statute for how long? forever from the children of Israel for it is an heave offering and it shall be an heave offering from the children of Israel of the sacrifice of their peace offerings even their heave offering unto the Lord now these are the offerings that was to be made during these ordination services now in verse 29 we come to the service itself, the passing down of the ordination clothes of the high priest. We keep talking about those clothes. God knew that Aaron wouldn't live forever. Matter of fact, he didn't live probably too awful long after he became the high priest. But it says, And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him. They're to be passed down to his sons to be anointed therein and to be consecrated in them. And that son that is priest in his stead shall put them on seven days when he cometh into the tabernacle and of the congregation to minister in the holy place. It's to be worn in the ordination service by the succeeding descendants. It's to be worn for seven days, that's a week. Then they had a fellowship meal, verse 31. And thou shalt take the ram of the consecration and see either boil his flesh in the holy place. And Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And they shall eat those things wherewith the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them but a stranger shall not eat thereof because they are holy. And if all of the flesh of the consecrations or of the bread remain unto the morning, then thou shalt burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy. They're to boil this ram's meat. And hold a, I guess we would call it a type of communion service. We would be serving the Lord's Supper here and before long I need to talk to the deacons about that because 
Easter's coming up and we want to do that. To hold a type of communion meal among the priests and it's to be done at the door of the tabernacle. They're to eat the ram's meat along with the bread in the basket and to eat the meat and bread sacrificed for their atonement. No one else was allowed to eat this. Anything that was left over was to be burned because it was holy. It was set apart to God. Verse 35 through 37. There's a repetition of the ordinance ceremony here. And thus shalt thou do unto Aaron and to his sons according to all things which I have commanded thee. Seven days shalt thou consecrate them. This ordination service goes on for seven days. Thou shalt offer every day a bullock for a sin offering, for atonement, and thou shalt cleanse the altar. When thou hast made an atonement for it, and thou shalt anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days shalt thou make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and it shall be an altar most holy. Whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy. So for seven days this is repeated. You might wonder why. Just because God said so. It's obedience. Obedience. They're to sacrifice a bull every day. Offer it as a sin offering. To purify and anoint the altar for seven days. Make it holy. Set it apart for God's use. And would take whatever was touched. Would make whatever touched that altar holy. God is serious about this. And holiness is something we don't talk a lot about anymore. But it's something that God is very concerned about. I think I made a statement the other day that God, when he saves you, doesn't necessarily make you happy. His ideal is to make you holy. And that's, uh, that's where we so often fail. We live unholy lives rather than holy lives. Verse 39, Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually, every day, two lambs to be offered on the altar. One lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer at even. So twice a day, a lamb was offered as an offering. And he gives some instructions about what is to be offered with them. And with the one lamb, a tenth deal, or about two quarts of flour, mingled with the fourth part of a hen of beaten oil, and the fourth part of a hen of wine for a drink offering. The other lamb thou shalt offer at even, and shall do thereto according to the meat offering of the morning, and according to the drink offering thereof, for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So this was a daily sacrifice that had to be made there. How often should we confess our sins? 
Every day, all day long, Marine said, that's good. <laughs> Every time you commit one, that's right. And sometimes I, I think we commit sin and don't even realize it. We, we become so accustomed to living a certain way. But oh, what a, a wonderful thing it is to be cleansed from our sins. Now, this satisfies the holiness of the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak there unto thee. God tells them where it's to be done, at the door of the tabernacle. And God says, I'll meet you there and I'll speak with you. Isn't that wonderful? That God comes and speaks to us. God meets with us. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, finish it for me. There am I in the midst. Yeah. He's here tonight. We're gathered here in his name. He's here. He's come to meet with us. And there will I meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. What does the word sanctify mean? Set aside and made holy. It's not just the setting aside, but setting aside and making holy. God said, I'll sanctify the tabernacle and I'll sanctify Aaron and his sons. Remember when we started studying about the tabernacle, the reason God wanted them to have a tabernacle? So he could come and dwell with them. And look at verse 45. And I will dwell. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. That's wonderful. That God comes and dwells with us. And my understanding of that word dwell means to take up permanent residence. It's not a stop at a motel and spend the night and go on, but it's to reside there. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. We think about it, well, all of this, it seems like a bunch of ritual. And if we're not careful, we'll say, well, that don't mean nothing. Yeah, it does. God's given them a promise here. Carry this out, I'll dwell with you. You'll know that I am the Lord. Celia and I were talking tonight about President Putin, uh, the, the raids that he's making on the little country of Ukraine. And Putin is an ungodly man. He, he, he's a communist, he, he doesn't believe in a God. I guess he thinks he's God. 
But we were talking. There was a king in the Bible back in the book of Daniel named Nebuchadnezzar. The most powerful king on earth at that time had the greatest kingdom of any king. But he exalted himself against God. What did God do to him? That's right, put him out in the pasture field. <laughs> he eat grass for, I believe, seven years, wasn't it? His fingernails grew out like claws and his hair grew out like feathers. And then God turned it all around, gave him his mind back, and he, he came back and served God then. And it's the same God today. God is certainly big enough to handle Mr. Putin. We need to really hold up those people in Ukraine. That I've met some of the finest Christians that I've ever met in my life in Ukraine. It costs them every day to serve the Lord. They still live among a month, a month, a bunch of, of uh, communists. I, I've preached over there and had some of them come in and interrupt the services, turn the lights off or whatever. But God's people there are still going right on. They're still serving the Lord. 73%. Thank you, Rick. I, I didn't know what the percentage was. I know there's Christianity has really bloomed over there in the last 20 years or so, 30. But uh, God is testing them, I'm sure. He'll take care of them. Anyone with a question or comment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's his name. I am. Mm -hmm. Every time Jesus said that, the scribes and Pharisees got mad at him. Well, they didn't like him using the, saying I'm. They they understood what he was saying. I am God, and uh, they didn't. They just took him as a flesh and blood man. But they soon found out that he was saying the truth. Well, let's uh, close out with just a, a brief word of prayer and then give you a little time in your prayer groups here tonight before we go home. Anyone with anything you'd like to say before we close? Yes, Mary is having a tough time right now. She's, uh, I believe you said she decided not to take any more treatments. So let's do remember Mary. She's a sweetheart. Okay. Dennis, would you lead us as we pray?